following is a special KMOX Sports presentation. Welcome to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar, your source for electrical and data communication products for more than 150 years. Now, the Strike Zone on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Alcantara, the next pitch, and that's a ground ball up the middle. Base hit, Connor Capel. As Newtbar stops at second base, Capel is first big league hit. Keeps things going here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Throw that baseball out, and congratulations to the Cardinal rookie, Connor Capel, for picking up his first big league hit. And now he represents the possible winning run for the Cardinals. Joe Pot back with you here on a Thursday as we uh, talk a lot of baseball here, of course, in the 7 o'clock hour. It is our Strike Zone program here. And uh, as we take a look at maybe uh, what's to come, Building the Future is sponsored by Gray Bar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis, a great place to work. And we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the depth. But then the other side of that is what the Cardinals maybe are, are missing right now because they do have several guys that are out, whether it's actually on the injured list or it is just, you know, dealing with some nagging injuries. Nolan Gorman being uh, in the second camp there. So he missed last night's game. As I mentioned, the last thing we heard is that he hoped that, uh, or the Cardinals had hoped, and Oliver Marmol had hoped that he was going to be back for this trip to Philadelphia. So we'll wait and see, obviously. He bruised his hand actually fouling a ball off uh, during Monday night's game. Didn't have a break or anything like that, so that's all good news. We did touch on Jordan Hicks a little bit as well. Hicks gave up five straight hits. He gave up a home run, a three-run home run. So I, I think the numbers probably look worse than it is. But again, this is something I think you have to wait to see today how he feels because this was his second of back-to-back outings. That's exactly what they wanted is they wanted to gauge him and judge him after going two straight outings. And so this was the second of those back-to-back outings. Uh, so we'll wait and see that. Steven Matz. He did make a start, a rehab start at AAA, uh, did that on Tuesday night, 28 pitches for two innings. He gave up a hit. He struck out three. He'll start again on Saturday. So, of course, we'll have updates uh, for you on that all weekend long, or at least on on Saturday and Sunday. We'll tell you about that with regards to what he did, because that's also going to be a huge boost. If you can get Steven Matz back, even if he is not quite 100% as far as effectiveness, I think that is going to be a huge source of innings uh, that the Cardinals desperately need. Yadier Molina, he is still out. Last I had heard, last they had they had let us know he was back in Puerto Rico to kind of rehab that. And uh, this is I'm a, I'm checking in on an injury update here on MLB.com, and they're still saying Puerto Rico. That update actually came from John Denton two days ago. Um, that he is still rehabbing that knee in Puerto Rico. I would certainly not expect him back before the All-Star break, uh, before the second half of the season, I guess. You've got Tyler O'Neill out still with the hamstring strain uh, that he suffered in Boston. You've got Harrison Bader, who just went out this week with the uh, plantar fasciitis um, that obviously always takes some time. Usually, I think that the first thing you do is you get a shot in that foot to hopefully loosen up that uh, tendon or whatever it is uh, that is in the in the foot. Hennessy's Cabrera is still out again. More innings that you don't have. They're still saying undisclosed. 
I think everybody assumes that it's COVID-19 because uh, that is what TJ McFarlane went out with. They had originally said his was undisclosed uh, and then changed it, didn't say he had, he did test positive for COVID-19. Again, TJ McFarland is out because of COVID-19. Drew Verhagen is out with the right shoulder issue. Corey Dickerson remains out with the uh, strained calf, but then he actually uh, re-injured himself uh, later in his rehab. So June 16th was his last appearance, and uh, but he had discomfort again after that. And so you don't know what you're going to get or when you're going to see Corey Dickerson. So there's a lot of moving parts here, and and uh, from all of that, the top of that, the best case scenario seems to be at this point, Steven Matz, I would say. Let's see what happens in his next rehab start on Saturday, and then perhaps Jordan Hicks, and let's just see if if the issue last night or two nights ago uh, was the, no, last night, let's see if that is more of a situation of, hey, just had a rough night, or if it is literally something that, you know, is still bothering him. If that is something that is part of this injury, it was the right forearm for Jordan Hicks. So that's, you know, that's worrisome if that's something that is continuing to uh, be an issue or is actually worsening. So we'll see what that's like. And that, I think, you know, happens as they talk to him today or tomorrow as they follow through uh, this week. And again, I think Nolan Gorman, hopefully, it all sounds like it's nothing major with Nolan Gorman, and that'll probably be answered uh, tomorrow, probably when we hear from the manager, Oliver Marmel, before tomorrow night's game in Philadelphia, probably know a little bit more about Nolan Gorman, what his situation is, um, and and all of that. So it, it's, it's a lot of news that isn't great. Um, I don't know that any of it's devastating, and probably that has a lot to do with the depth that this team has right now and, and what they're getting out of the rest of the guys that are coming up and are filling those spots like a Juan Yepes, like a Lars Newtbar, um, and they're just going to have to continue to piece that together before some of these guys are able to come back. And certainly from the pitching staff standpoint, that's where it uh, gets a little bit more interesting. Uh, we'll take another break. We'll come back. We'll continue our baseball talk. It's the Strike Zone. It's Sports Open Line on a Thursday night, an off night for the Redbirds. I'm Joe Pot. I'll have you till uh, just about 8 o'clock tonight. The Strike Zone and Sports Open Lines continues after this on CamelX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Back in on the strike zone here on Thursday night, Joe Pot with you. Final couple of segments here on Sports Open Line, and uh, 
We are shuffling on the fly. We're juggling as we speak, and I am uh, really happy to have uh, our next guest who had agreed uh, here with very short notice to join us here and talk some baseball. Carter Chapley is with us here on Sports Open Line on the Strike Zone, and uh, Carter is one of the newest additions to the STL Today team, and he's a big part of the STL Pinch Hits, the uh, new uh, endeavor that the Post-Dispatch has, has taken on as far as a new way to cover Cardinals baseball. So, Carter, thanks so much for coming on. And again, thanks for uh, coming on with such short notice. Hey, well, thank you for having me. I, I'm always here to talk some Cardinals baseball, no matter the hour of the day or the notice. And it's always good to talk to another uh, Atlantic 10 graduate here. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, because we'll call you at all hours of the day. But yes, uh, you are uh, formerly on the Billiken beat as well. So, you cover a lot of A10. I am, as you said, an A10, uh, A10 grad, a, a proud Dayton grad. Um, let's talk a little bit. Just uh, being this your uh, first go around with the cards, and 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 as I mentioned, this this new endeavor of STL Pinch Hits gives you an option and gives the folks there at STL Today just kind of uh, some more avenues and 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 more in depth coverage for this extremely. I'm sure, passionate and very baseball-thirsty fan base. Yeah, I mean, it's been really great. It gives us a lot of freedom to kind of expand into things that we wanted to expand into, things like going deeper into minor league coverage with our minor league writer, Daniel Guerrero. Uh, I do a lot of stuff with analytics on the site. We have new podcasts, new video work. It's just a lot of extra stuff that, you know, we're really proud to bring, and we want to provide the best coverage, and I, I think we're – we're starting to find our footing with it as to how we can best provide that right now. What has been the, you know, what, what's been the most rewarding or what's been the most fun as you cover this team or, or, you know, some of the, the players or angles that you've gotten a chance to explore and, and take on? Uh, well, you know, I think the day-to-day grind has been really rewarding for me. I, I know that might be, you know, that's baseball, right? It's, sure. it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so just kind of seeing the everyday, you know, realities of baseball, seeing how guys respond to playing every day, having a tough day on Friday, but bouncing back and going three for four on, on Saturday. And then I've really enjoyed seeing all these young guys come up from the minors and really um, prove to them, prove to the world that they're, that they're ready and really help the Cardinals be, you know, the team they are right now. I don't think they're, they're as successful without guys like Brandon Donovan coming up and just getting to talk to him and, and seeing how they've come along from, you know, maybe not heralded, maybe not, some, you know, we're not talking about top prospects all the time, but they've been really helpful in every way. So I, I, that's been really rewarding for me. Carter Chapley with us. Man, I I just spent a whole segment talking about all of these people filling in spots, and I didn't even mention Brendan Donovan. I literally did not. I mean, he slipped Crazy, my mind. Right? And I think the reason he did, because I feel like, you know, he is that regular guy now. I mean, some of the things that he is doing at – such a young age and such a and not even necessarily a young age, but such a a young major league career. It has been a joy to watch him make those adjustments and continue to uh, have success, particularly at the plate. Yeah, and and for not being someone who plays a, a single position, right. being a guy who who plays every day, being somewhere new every day. He's got a you know he's using Paul uh, Goldschmidt's first base club when he's <laughs> over at first base. And he's, he moves from second base to the outfield yesterday just because that's what they need for him to do. And yet he still has this consistency of playing every day and putting together professional at-bats in, I think, ways that, you know, maybe some folks who were really focused on the minor leagues knew was coming, but definitely not your, you know, what most of us would have seen 
you know, at a glance. I mean, he he really is just a professional ball player in all the, in all the best respects. Yeah, no question about it. I, I, he he has been great, and like I said, I completely uh, glossed over him. So, with all of these uh, all of these folks that the Cardinals have uh, offensively, obviously position players. Um, I was talking to Frank Cusimano earlier and, and John Denton as well, but what we were talking about, you know, somebody's got to make the decision on who moves, right? So who, who goes because of the, um, the, the sheer amount of players they have position player wise. And now obviously probably the innings that are going to need to be covered at some point somewhere, but I can't imagine now having to make that decision. Do you have any kind of thought as to, you know, what who might be, you know, some of those guys? As to who's who's going to be out, the, who might be moving like who out could, the door? yeah, correct. So I, I don't, I'm not. I mean, I'm not asking you obviously to make that that decision or or, or what you think. But are, are there any indications? Do you you know? Do you have any indications like on on yeah, who might be some of those prospects? Uh you know, my, my first instinct is to look to where they have depth in terms of the organization. And I, and I think the first place you have to look to is like some of these outfield prospects. Uh, unfortunately, there's just a lot of guys and you already have a lot of major league caliber guys when they're at their best. I mean, you look around the outfield and you, I don't think you're ready to move on from a guy like Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader or, or Dylan Carlson. So that right there makes it a difficult, you know, question to solve a difficult, difficult equation, so to speak. And then you have guys like Juan Yepes and, and who's playing really who's playing really well and, and Brendan Donovan who provides positional versatility and so you don't want to move on from that. And so you start thinking about guys, you know, in the organization who I mean, it depends on how far down you want to go. I mean, you have guys who are performing really well at the minor leagues like Moises Gomez, um, who just got called up from from Springfield to, to Memphis, who's been I think he's the professional leader in home runs yep. right Still, now yeah. with twenty three twenty three. Like that—that's a guy who you kind of question. Like, okay, so what's his what's his role? Is it going to be with with the big club? Is it going to be in gathering an asset outside the organization? Uh, a guy like you know Lars Newpar, who has value to a professional organization somewhere, but is his value as great to you as it could be to someone else? Uh, I, and I and I think both of those guys could be very high quality major leaguers. And at some point, you have to kind of get over the the PTSD of of giving away Randy Rosarena. But I think you're right. Like there is a logjam of sorts happening, especially in the outfield. And you know, we talk about it a lot, uh, Daniel Guerrero and I. That somebody, like something's got to give eventually. And, and I'm just not sure where they're going to move. I don't think it's Alec Burleson who's tearing it up in AAA right now. But he's been a DH a lot. I think they kind of see him as a, you know, he's really young. He still has a lot of upside that they're still trying to explore. But there's a lot of names that have value to someone out there, and and maybe not the same value at the Cardinals need right now and it's in it it's it almost feels like i mean for for folks that have watched this team over the past few years it's a, it's a reversal of the trend it feels like the cardinals have always been the team that has developed pitching and brought on young pitchers and um then ultimately dealt them see sandy alcantara for position mm-hmm. players and for you know and it's just completely the opposite right now and 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 as I sit here and I was just talking two segments ago, uh, where are the innings going to come from in this stretch that starts tomorrow when you don't have an off date till June 18th or July 18th? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to give Matthew Libator an opportunity Me to kind of earn a role. I think that's a place where you might be able to see some innings. I wouldn't be surprised to see Zach Thompson get an opportunity to, to get a start somewhere. Um, 
I think Jake Walsh being hurt in AAA really hurts. That that he, mm-hmm. he's not going to be back for a little while now. But he's a guy I really thought could have been a, a you know, an added to that high leverage reliever um, role that you know it's right now just kind of with, with until Cabrera comes back has just kind of been um, between Helsley and Gallegos. Um, I think there's. I mean. I'm really excited for what Junior Fernandez brings as well. I think that could be a guy who could really come out and surprise us over the next couple of weeks. I know Ali Marmol was really impressed with what he brought, especially in terms of adding depth to his sinker, uh, throwing hard. And maybe maybe that's someone who can extend you. But you're right; like they're probably going to need help here. And I I don't know what you know. I I don't think they have a, an arm who hasn't pitched in the majors, you know, from AAA to come up yet, who is like really that next step. Maybe, maybe it's Angel Rondon. Uh, you're, there is an innings vacuum here. And, and you know what? That could mean it's somebody's opportunity to, to take advantage. That could, you know, someone could really solidify themselves. And all of a sudden, like Andre Pallante, like I don't think anybody saw him being, you know, going pitch for pitch last night with Sandy Alcantara. But hey, look at that. Like that's the guy who took his opportunity and ran with it. And so hopefully someone else, I, Matthew Libertor, now would be the time to really establish yourself as a core part of this rotation and in the bullpen as well. I, I I agree with <clears throat> Libertor wholeheartedly, and I I have been saying this for a little while that I you know I I kind of wished it was going to be him, you know, at the point that they brought Flaherty back, and I understand why they mm-hmm. did it and why they did it at that point. Um, it was Pittsburgh that first appearance he made, but I I feel like I I I also want to see Libertor in an extended run at the major league level because if he is what he's supposed to be, what you expect him to be. Like exactly as you said, this is your time to show us that now. Yeah, and and he ha- he's going to get the opportunities. I think he's filling in on Jack Flaherty's days, as I understand it. Yep, uh, he's going to pitch Saturday. It's it's his it's his time, and and I think you know he had some chances early in the year. He's gone back down. Maybe now is you know get you know I, I like to remember the old Roy Halladay story back when he was coming up. That you know with the Blue Jays. He pitched in the major leagues for, he got five starts and then got sent back down to single A to work on his mechanics. And he came back and, you know, he's a hall of famer. So maybe getting, you know, success isn't always linear. And I, I think that's important to remember, but now when you're given an opportunity, you'd like to see someone take advantage of it. Jake Woodford was a guy that last year when he went down, when they acquired Hap and Lester, he came back as a completely different guy last year. Yeah, it's another great example. And, yeah. and you mentioned Junior Fernandez this year, and that's someone that that I think is a different guy. The the you know this most recent time that we've seen him, um, and is he a guy that you know can take some of those at least right now like those Cabrera innings or some of those more high level leverage spots? Yeah, and I think the equation gets a lot simpler, right? Like you kind of look at what Milwaukee does, where you, we're able to shorten the game so significantly by having guys like Josh Hader come out of the back end of the bullpen. If you, and if you can start putting together guys like, I mean, Helsley had a frustrating pitch last night, but you know, he's otherwise been the best reliever in baseball. You start matching him and Diego's and, and Cabrera. And all of a sudden these games get shorter and the, the problem might seem a, a little less of an issue. If, if everything's clicking on the pitching side. Now the offense has to be there to make that even worth it. Cause it's, it's I mean, Ollie's Ollie Marmol's made it very clear. He's not interested in, you know, with two, you know, with two, two runs down, he's not right. going to throw out that Gallegos Helsley combination, but you know, it's, if the math gets a lot simpler, if you add one more guy to that pen and a starter can more regularly go into the sixth or seventh inning. 
Carter Chapley with us here. Very short notice tonight. Again, we certainly appreciate that and the opportunity to talk some Cardinals baseball here on the strike zone on Sports Open Line. Uh, what's been, you know, what's what's been, you know, I, I asked you about before, I guess, kind of your favorite part, but um, is there anything else that's been maybe something you didn't expect, you know, from, from covering baseball or, you know, like I said, maybe something you were able to do now that you've got the STL pinch hits up and running that you didn't think maybe you were going to be able to do or anything like that that's jumped out in this first year for you? I mean, I think there are a lot of things. I think just being at the ballpark every day has, has opened up my eyes to a lot of realities of baseball that I, I, I you know, I, I played a little bit of college ball. I played growing up. I was named after Joe Carter of the 1993 Toronto. Mm, touch them all, Joe. Team. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Home run in your life. Yes, exactly. And and so I think there's a lot. So I, I've, I've always been in love with baseball, but to see the realities of the day-to-day have been really exciting. And then I've been able to work with some really amazing people at, at the Post-Dispatch. And I, I, I mean, I couldn't have a better mentorship team than I have in, in in Rick Hummel and Derek Gould and, and, and all those guys over there. So being able to kind of learn from them in addition to um, talking to the, you know, to the Cardinals themselves and getting their perspective on things has been incredibly surreal to say the least um, for me, at least I think that to me, that's kind of a, a surreal moment. Well, I appreciate you again for taking the time tonight and, and, uh, you know, all of us here, we, we think so much, obviously, of, of all the guys that you mentioned as well. And the, I, I think that the the fans in St. Louis are certainly spoiled with the coverage that, that you all provide, you know, led by the commission, Derek Gould and all the folks there at the Post-Dispatch. But uh, STL Pinch Hits has been great. We had Daniel Guerrero on a week ago. I had him on uh, here on this program talking about the minors. So appreciate you guys as well. And I thank you again for taking some time tonight, Carter. Hey, thank you so much. And if you can, you can listen to both Daniel and I on the best podcast in the minors, the spinoff of Derek's show. So if you're into that kind of thing, we, we go every week. So thank, thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate it. That is Carter Chapley with us here from STL Today and STL Pinch Hits. Uh, pinch hitting for us, if you will. Jumping on here, taking a segment for us here on the Strike Zone. We'll continue. We have got uh, a couple more segments to do here before we get out of here, and we'll continue with the baseball talk when we come back here on the Strike Zone on Camo X. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. The 1-1 delivery is a hit hard to right center field and backing up is the center fielder. He reaches up and he can't make the play. Over the head of Sanchez and Sosa is going to third again. He slides in and he's safe. Little Edmundo Sosa for you coming back here on a Thursday night. He's definitely another one of those uh, folks that have been huge with regards to depth on this team. And especially now that you've got Nolan Gorman out for the last couple of nights and he's been able to uh, take some of those uh, innings as well as far as playing in the field. Uh, All-star ballot finalists, finalists, easy for me to say, came out today. Uh, Aaron Judge is the leading vote getter in the American League. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the leading vote getter in the National League. And so those two uh, have automatic spots on the All-star team. Otherwise, if you're not familiar with the way they've done it, they had this phase one of voting. And then the top two from that phase one of fan voting are the two finalists. So those are the two folks that are going to be uh, up for the starting spots at 
each respective position within each respective league, of course. Paul Goldschmidt is the leading vote-getter as far as first baseman in the National League, so he is the number one finalist in the National League. Pete Alonso is the number two finalist in the National League, and right now the difference is about 600,000 votes. Goldschmidt is actually fifth overall in National League voting at uh, just almost 1.6 million votes. Uh, also, Nolan Arenado is among the top two vote-getters so far at third base. Now, he is second at third compared to uh, Manny Machado. And Manny Machado has even got more votes overall than uh, Paul Goldschmidt did. And actually, they're not even listing vote totals here on Major League Baseball on MLB.com. They just announced these probably 5.30 tonight. I don't know. It was right before we got started here on the show. But... Nolan Arenado is there and is a opportunity for him to go back to the All-Star game, which he likely will. I don't know that he's going to be starting because Manny Machado is so far out in front as far as number of votes. Paul Goldschmidt, no surprise. Uh, there were Yadier Molina was among, I think, the top five or six for a while at the catching spot. Albert Pujols was number three, I think, and, and Yadier Molina may be number three as well as far as the catching spot, but Pujols was number three on the DL, uh, the DL, the DH list as well. Uh, and it's not to say that those guys won't go, but these are the two at each position that are uh, have the chance to start at that spot. There's really not any surprises you've been following along as far as any of the position players. Tommy Edmond was also in the top five, but I don't think he was any higher. I don't think I saw any higher than top five for him. But all of these guys will have a chance to be picked. I don't know if they're doing the last vote, again this year like they've done the past couple of years so that'll be another opportunity to vote one of those guys in that maybe is deserving and of course all of these players will have the opportunity to be selected by the managers and and added to the team so Goldschmidt Arenado those two probably at the beginning of the year you would have said who's going to be the all-stars probably those two so and maybe Yadier Molina but obviously a lot of missed time this year for Yadi. so not as uh, big of an opportunity for him to get in there as well. Uh, What's on Deck is sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck, chesterfieldfence.com. And what's on deck, as we've been saying all night, at least what's on deck for the near future for the Cardinals, is a big stretch of games, 17 straight games for the Redbirds. It starts with a weekend series in Philadelphia. That starts tomorrow night. It is a 5-10 first pitch tomorrow night, St. Louis time. Miles Michaelis will make the start for the Cards and then it's Matthew Libertor on Saturday and Adam Wainwright on Sunday. What's on deck for us is a visit with Rob Raines, a longtime sports writer. He's covered a lot of baseball in his time, a lot of Cardinals baseball. So we'll chat with him. We'll continue our baseball theme. We'll continue talking some Cardinals baseball as the strike zone continues, as sports open line continues. I'm Joe Pot. That's coming up next here on Camo X. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back in on KMOX here on uh, the Strike Zone on Sports Open Line on a Thursday night. Joe Pot with you, an off night for the Redbirds, but don't worry because there will not be many of those until the middle of July as we continue our baseball talk and we continue our Cardinal talk. We're joined here on Sports Open Line by Rob Raines, Rob of the 
stlsportspage.com. And, of course, has been around for a long time covering Cardinal baseball and covering Major League Baseball. Rob, thanks so much for some time tonight. My pleasure. I wish you didn't say forever. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, a a, lo- a, uh, a, a distinguished time. career. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Rob, uh, your take just on on what this team, you know, is yeah. right now, and I, I said this earlier, but uh, looking up at the Milwaukee Brewers, who I have not been ever, you know, impressed with, sold on, but maybe I should be because the Cardinals just haven't yet found a way to uh, put them in their rearview mirror. Yeah, I'm not worried about them, really, because I think you look at their record, and, and I know they played some teams, you know, like Cardinals as one of them here lately, but the first two months of the of the season when they were racking up a lot of wins, I mean, they were playing a lot of games against the, the Pirates and the Reds and weren't really playing like the, the Cardinals had, you know, what, six games against the Mets and six games against the Giants. So, you know, I think the schedule imbalance was, was more evident early on in the season, and all you saw the one-loss record, you didn't really look at that, who those teams had played. So those things, of course, all even out during the course of the season. So. I, I like this Cardinal club. I think I like the kids that playing well. They've come up here and given them a chance to play. And I think they've they've held their own and done well. And I think they're only going to get better. So I think the the combination of uh, of the you know, older guys, you know, obviously Goldsmith's having an MVP caliber year. And, Arnado's being himself, and you know Edmonds, you know, played like an all-star. So they've got good performances out of their leadership of the club, and then you mix in the the Donovans, Jeffes, and Gormans. I think it's a nice blend. Uh, put uh, put Paul Goldschmidt's season in perspective for us with regards to, you know, people, guys you've seen here in St. Louis yeah. or guys you've seen in in baseball. And I know Albert Pujols came up earlier, but yeah. you know, maybe outside of that, like where where does he rank? Where does this kind of season rank with you? You know, I'd have to really go and do some a deep dive into into comparison because I I hadn't thought about that in advance. So I don't want to you know misspeak and say something that wasn't true. I mean, Pools was the first guy I thought of, and of course, you know, he's Goldschmidt's done it for one year with Pools did it for like ten in a mm-hmm. row. So you know, you got to keep that in mind. But the year he's having is just terrific. I mean, look at the. I guess you start by looking at the at the other players who've won MVP awards in St. Louis. You know, Joe Torre in '71, uh, Keith Hernandez. One, you know, Sherry going with Willie Stargell, Willie McGee, a different type of player. You know, obviously didn't have the home run totals in '85. So, you know, those those are the kind of seasons you're talking about. Uh, you know, and having even if the numbers aren't necessarily the same because he's a different type of player, but um, it, yeah, what he's done has just been remarkable. And really, you also consider consider that he started slow. I mean, the first two or three weeks of the season, we all I remember got all excited about how well he played in spring training because he traditionally is such a slow starter, and April is such a bad month for him in his career that you thought, well, maybe if he's had this good spring training. April is going to be good. Well, April was just as bad as it usually was for the first, you know, two or three weeks of April. And then he's since then he's just been unstoppable. It's been amazing to watch. Rob Rains with us here on uh, Sports Open Line on the Strike Zone here on a Thursday. Rob, we were I, I've talked several times tonight about where might some of these innings come from, particularly in this stretch. Seventeen straight games coming up here starting tomorrow night. Um, and and off of that, I guess I'll ask. Are you as interested and as excited as I am to see Matthew Libertor get a more extended run here? I'm glad that Ollie did say that it was he didn't consider this a spot start. It seems like the other times that he's come up, it has. But I know a couple of times he's won like what like one twice. Sorry, I think on one one stay that he was up there, he started twice. But I, I do want to see what he can do on an extended period of time because I think he's definitely a guy that I still think profiles as a middle of the rotation uh, starter at worst, uh, and he's only going to get better. So you know he's, he's got things to work on. Obviously, he's a young pitcher, but I think this is a good opportunity for him to to, to see what he can do, and, and I hope they can get him 
him to go, you know, six, seven innings maybe on, on some of these starts and not just try to get him out of the game after after five innings. I mean, I know that the, the whole three times through the lineup thing is something that they try to avoid with a lot of young pitchers, so probably depends on how clean those first, you know, four or five innings are, but I still think he's got a tremendous future, and I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, if, if there's a blueprint maybe – for bringing a guy along, maybe Andre Pallante is kind of that, right? I mean, yeah. he 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 has done, and I think has been built up exactly the way that you would want to happen, and it and it kind of culminated last night in his seven inning outing going up against Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, well, he talked about. I mean, he was the starter in the minor league, so starting a game is nothing new for him. He's a starter in college, but he talked about the fact that he never really went deep enough into games, and it was some conversations that he had with Hudson and some of the other guys, Wainwright, about how you know your goal should be to pitch pitch deeper in games, not just to get you know five innings and get out of there. The, the whole you know, famous five and dive now that everybody's trying to to get starting pitchers to do, and, and he said he kind of took that to heart. So it, yeah, he's definitely growing into the role, and it's it's been a you know I don't know if it was. Oh, I guess you could call it a surprise. We're going to say probably the most pleasant surprise. But we talk about all these young guys and all the rookies. I know Donovan's been a guy that's got a lot of attention. I've written about him too. That that you know has has probably performed better than most people expected. Gorman and Yepes, you know, had had more hype coming up through the system, mm-hmm. especially Gorman. You know, so you kind of expected him to come up here and do well when he finally got a chance to play. But Belante is a guy really nobody talked about. He was kind of in that middle relief role early on and did well there. And and okay, you know, that's good for him. You know, but then I think the fact that he's done as well as he has as a starter is probably you know maybe the most pleasant surprise on the team this year yeah i i 100 agree with you there i heard um this was on uh, sports on a sunday it was john mozalak talking to tom ackerman and i think that he gave brendan donovan one of the coolest compliments he said he's always wanted the sort of swiss army knife ben zobris type player and he feels mm-hmm. like he may have that in brendan donovan that that that's i, I love yeah. that that's high praise yeah, well, he kind of was doing what Edmund did, you know, when Edmund came yeah. out, too. You know, Edmund didn't really have a set position. He was moving all over the place and, and playing well everywhere he went. And then, of course, you know, he kind of settled into a, a regular spot. The, the good thing for Donovan is that he can do that because I don't think he would have a regular spot right now. Right. I don't know where I don't know where it would be. You know, I mean, if, if you had everybody healthy, I mean, obviously with O'Neal out, you know, there's an opening in, in left field for more for more games. And, and with the DH, you have a little more of an opening than you have. But, you know, I mean, you look at the, the regular – eight position players that if you're playing on a regular lineup and I'm, I'm listing Gorman at second base, I don't know that Donovan would beat out any of those guys. You know I mean? I, he's played well. And obviously he's, you know, he's probably throwing himself into rookie of the year consideration, you know, statistic wise. I don't know that he'll get consideration because he's probably so an unknown player nationally, but you know what it kind of comes to, to show you is that we probably should pay more attention to the players that the Cardinals send to the Arizona fall league and who those guys are and how they perform out there. Because every one of these guys that we're talking about, Yepes, Donovan, now Gorman got hurt, but he was there, Pallante, Zach Thompson, they were all Cardinal representatives in the fall league last year. So I think that, that they kind of show you uh, at the end of every season kind of who they're targeting and who they're looking at uh, as possibly kind of being guys who could contribute at the big league level the next year. I can't imagine that they thought that all four of these guys would be playing yeah. as much as they are and playing this Probably kind of role. <laughs> well, I figured it out the other day after after the couple of those COVID moves, they had twelve of the twenty six guys they had active for that game. I forget which night it was, Monday night. I think it might have been whatever night it was that they had the twenty six active players. Twelve of them had spent at least part of the season in Memphis, and that didn't include the guys who also had rehab games there. Wow! So I mean, that and you're only what seventy eight games right. into the season. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable number, I think, to me. So, that 
yeah, that 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 definitely puts it in perspective, no question. Now the question becomes, and again, something I've we've mentioned here a couple of times tonight, but is there, you know, is is some of this depth? Is it going to be? Is it going to pay off by gaining this team another piece with regards to a starting pitcher or something, uh, or someone on that pitching yeah. staff? Yeah, that's going to be a tough call. I mean, I think luckily, you know, with the deadline still a month away, they got a little window here of time to try to figure it out. I mean, you know, I think the problem with Palante, getting back to him, is going to be the innings control because he's never had a starter's you know workload right. even in the, even the minor leagues. You know, he started, he probably got to 100 innings, so you know they're not going to be able to push him much more than 120 or 130 innings. I don't think, and what's he like about? 50 something now I don't have the numbers in front of me so so you know he may end up being having to be a guy that either either you go to a six-man rotation to try to buy him some time or else he goes back to being a, a reliever at some point just to kind of you know wash the workload a little bit um and I mean Flaherty's the wild card in all this too I mean and, and Stephen Matz you know because you don't know Matz is going to pitch again on Saturday you know they were encouraged by his first start but we heard that about Flaherty too so you know they've got a month here basically to figure that out and if 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 they don't feel like Flaherty and or Matz is going to be ready, they probably do need to go out and make a move for a starting pitcher. I don't know who you would try to trade off of the big league roster. I mean, it's tough when you're a contending club to go out and make a deadline trade and trade somebody that's on, you know, contributing on a regular basis on the big league level. I think you're looking at more of trading a guy that's, a, you know, maybe a double A or triple A um, who, who you're not going to affect your, your current ball club right now. So it, it, it's going to be a challenge for John Mosaic and company to try to figure that out and figure out who, who they feel like, where they feel like they have the depth that they can afford to, to move something and then have it not be something that's going to come back and you know backfire on them in a couple of years. The next two weeks, I think, are going to be uh, interesting to see how that goes, how the innings are covered and, and, and what this team looks like and where it's standing come the All-Star break. Yeah, because I mean, they're going to be in the race. I mean, they they, they know right now that, that Milwaukee is not a club that's going to go off and, and run away from them. You know, so I mean, they're going to be in the race with Milwaukee. I don't think they really have to worry about any other teams in this division as far as the division race. I know, you know, you also have to put the, the whole league in perspective that you're trying to get, you know, as top seed that you can get, not just win the division, but try to get, you know, advanced beyond that. So they have to figure out, okay, do we have enough to, to win the division, but we are short as far as when we get into the postseason games. And that's something that uh, that maybe changes the equation of what you're what you're willing to do if you're trying to make that push for, you know, an extra starter that you think would get you over that hump. So and then what what you're willing to give up to get him. Well, Rob Rains, we appreciate uh, you letting us bother you here on a Thursday night on an off night uh, for you. And uh, I am sure we will uh, catch up down the road. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Rob Rains with us here, and it wraps things up for us here on the Strike Zone and uh, on Sports Open Line here for a Thursday night. Thanks to Rob Rains. Thanks to John Denton, to Frank Cusimano, and to Carter Chapley as well, talking baseball and getting you all filled in. And again, it's going to be an interesting two weeks, I think, coming up here for the Redbirds. 17 straight games, 14 of which uh, those teams have winning records. So there are going to be some things that they are going to at least try to figure out. And I think a lot of questions answered probably, and hopefully a lot of more questions answered than uh, there are questions uh, posed for this team. I'm Joe Pot. Thanks so much to uh, Matt Pajeski behind the board for us tonight, keeping me in line and on time all night long. I will talk to you tomorrow night. Ameren Total Access comes your way at 410, a 505 first pitch tomorrow. Cards and Phillies. Miles Michael is on the mound for the Redbirds tomorrow, and then it'll be off and running for this team. 
I'm Joe Pott. This has been The Strike Zone on Camo X.